it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning once again, everybody, and welcome to Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock today. Mr. Tate is in the co-pilot seat this morning. How you doing, Coach? Good morning. You awake? <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you uh, more awake than the Cardinals' bullpen? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe a little. They had a little trouble last night, didn't they? Yeah, since that's the first time that's ever happened. Right. <laughs> on uh, on that particular date, maybe Cincinnati uh, wins over the Cardinals over in the Queen City, six to five last night. The Cubs beat Arizona yesterday afternoon, eight to three. Milwaukee stopped the White Sox seven to one, and the Cleveland Indians have a Guardian. new name. Guardians, Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians coming up. Somebody said you could take the dictionary, go all the way through there, blindfolded, and put your finger down and come up with a better name. <laughs> well, apparently it means something to the uh, city yeah, of Cleveland, okay. and uh, I did a little research this on it. A fifth, it's the fifth time they've changed their name? I didn't know that over, over, over the decades and over the centuries. I guess I didn't know that either. Yeah. Were they the spiders at one time, the Cleveland uh, spiders? I think so. Yeah. But uh, so those, that's uh, the baseball news of the day. Plenty to talk about. Big Ten Media Days were Thursday and Friday over in Indianapolis. You had a chance to mosey around over there? Yeah, I had a good time. Did you? Saw a lot of people. Yeah, I saw a lot of people I didn't know. Saw a lot of people I did know. Have a nice setup there on the Yeah, right on the, on the floor of the football field. Yep. The commissioner spoke, and each coach spoke, and yep. uh, Brett Bielma uh, made his maiden voyage as Illinois coach. Of course, he's been through that before. He made more sense than a lot of the coaches. A lot of the coaches just come up there with the idea they want to tell you what wonderful people they brought with them, the three players that they brought with them. They're all better. They're every, to a man, every single one of those guys is a better person than he is a football player even. <laughs> They're all great. They're all great students, and, you know, it was just uh, if you and then uh, a couple of the coaches talked a little longer than they might have, and particularly Tucker from Michigan State just kept going, and you know that was, might that might have okay. been part of his strategy. The longer he talked, the fewer questions he would have did to take. Did you did you hear about uh, Loxley? No. Loxley spoke. Uh, he talked for about two minutes, maybe three, and uh, had a, you know, and said, "Okay, I'd like to open it up for questions." What you're hearing right now is silence. That's why I'm being silent. <laughs> Nobody asked a question. He said, okay, and walked away. Is that right? That was it. That tells you all you need to know about how much interest there is in this part of the country with Maryland. I mean, I just, it, it's the truth. They don't belong in the Big Ten. When are we going to get around to talking about <laughs> mobility <laughs> within conferences? That's going to be a main subject this morning, I'm afraid. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're right with uh, the but, news this week that Texas and Oklahoma are. Yeah. But Maryland and Rutgers just are non-fits in this conference now. They're in it, and they've got big uh, media, you know, uh, support supposedly in, in Washington, D.C. area. And, and, of course, Rutgers being so close to New York. But every time I hear them, uh, and, and again, 
uh, Shiano talked about the fact that we have this great support from the New York area. I don't believe it. I don't believe people in New York pay attention to Rutgers. That's just me. I'm not out there. I did live two years in, in, Newark, in, in New Jersey, but I just don't see that as being a, important. And, we, and that was why we took them in the, in the Big Ten. You know, the, the, the media uh, opportunities there in New York City and New York area. But I, I don't know. What do you, what's your feeling about Maryland? doesn't feel right that, yeah. that they're in the Big Ten. You know, Nebraska and Penn State uh, before that were the uh, the newcomers, and you you accept those, and the, even those felt a little strange at first. Yeah. But uh, yeah. They've, they've been around long enough now. But now you're talking with Texas and Oklahoma, uh, talking to the SEC, and then word comes out that maybe the Big Ten wants to hear from, or, or Kansas and Iowa State want to talk to the Big Ten. Well, that doesn't do anything for me as a Big no. Ten guy. They, I don't know what they bring to the table. There's going to be an awful lot of switching around here and awful lot of discussions because I'm told that uh, Duke is interested in the, in the Big Ten. I'm told that North Carolina is, is I mean, I'm not say, when I say they're interested, I'm not saying they're coming. I'm just saying that the, the, it might, uh, you know, they're, Everybody's looking to to land in a good spot, and of course Iowa State and Kansas, uh, you know, they if if uh, the Sooners and and uh, and Longhorns leave, they're all going to be looking. We're off and rolling, and I'm I Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We mentioned in Nebraska. Let's get a Nebraska point of view. We welcome into the program Sean Callahan, who covers uh, Nebraska. How you doing? Uh, good morning, Sean. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. It's great to be on. We talked about Nebraska being, what has it been now, 10, 12 years since uh, Nebraska's been in, or am I losing track of time? This will be their 11th year, okay. I believe. 2011 was their, their first year, and last year was their 10th. So it's hard to believe we're going into the 11th year of this. I remember going to the media days in 2010 when conference realignment um, you know, was happening, and Nebraska had you know just – joined the league so we went that year to cover that new angle and I remember Tom Osborne went and they took that picture with him and Joe Paterno and it doesn't seem like it was that long ago but it was, it was over 10 years ago guys. So how do you think that uh, that affiliation is taking with the fans of uh, the Cornhuskers? Well I, I think now everyone realizes this is it was the right move for Nebraska um, because the, the stability the league offers I mean there's a lot of history in the big eight and the big 12 with Kansas, Kansas state, Iowa state, um, Colorado, Oklahoma, et cetera. Um, but the stability wasn't there to support that, to, to stay there. And I, I think last year, maybe uh, during all the problems with COVID and the big tens um, indecision and leadership to get football going, there were some cries about, Oh, the big 12 would be good right now. But I, I think today, <laughs> You know, the tune has changed dramatically where everybody knows that this is the place Nebraska has to be. And as Trev Alberts, the new athletic director, said, look, if Nebraska football wins and gets back, you know, to a respectable fashion, Nebraska fans are going to love the Big Ten. I mean, the reason that people are upset about the Big Ten or have gripes about things is because the football team hasn't won. I mean, that, that's just the reality of it. And the last four or five years, they have not done that. Now, when Bo Pelini was here, um, you know, he won nine or ten games every year in the Big Ten, and that was from 2011 to 15, and you know, or, or, excuse me, 14, and then from 15 to now, they've only had one nine-win season. Well, uh, 
back to uh, Texas and Oklahoma, do you see this? This seems to be going from the rumor point to to actual reality. Do you see this happening? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think it's 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 done deal more or less from everything you hear and see and read. And unless the politicians get involved and somehow block this, because this will have impact on so many different states and institutions, um, places like Kansas and Kansas State and Iowa State, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU. Um, you go down the line. I mean, there there are a lot of institutions um, that their history could be affected forever off off this move here. And, yeah. You know, that that could be where the politicians get involved, because if you knock those teams down to a level where they're just not going to be able to compete and recruit at the level of, say, the Big Ten or the SEC uh, because of those team, teams leaving, um, you change them forever. I mean, they're, they're going to be kind of looked at as a second tier league, whatever their league becomes. Um, so you know, that, that's going to get some people involved, I think, from the, the political level. Um, to make sure they know what they're doing here. And kind well, of, well, can the state legislature of Texas impact this thing? I mean, I know there was there were some complaints uh, a decade ago. I mean, um, how much strength would they have? How much power would they have in a situation like this? Um, well, I'll put it this way. Back when the Big 12 formed, the former governor of Texas, I believe her name was Ann Richards, mm-hmm. um, was, a, was a Baylor alum. And in order for the Big 12 to happen, Baylor had to be included in it. So mm-hmm. that's how ba- – and Houston was always probably the team that made more sense than Baylor, and Baylor got the invite um, because of the political connection. I don't think that's the case right now. Um, A&M is going to raise hell, though. They're going to they're gonna make this hard because they left the Big 12 just like Nebraska did because they were tired of Texas and Texas mm-hmm. um, throwing their weight around, and now here, here comes Texas into their – into their party and, and they're going to be doing the same thing to them again. So that they're going to make it interesting, but I have a hard time believing that because everyone's going to see the dollars that this is going to bring. And, you know, I read another quote that was interesting, the fans, you know, when Texas and Oklahoma are in the league, it's just going to mean that many more fans traveling the games, filling venues in a time when, you know, that's going to be important um, to get money back from the money lost over the last, last year. Uh, what is the status of the Longhorn Network, which uh, prevented, I think, the Pac-12 from, or caused the Pac-12 not to take the uh, Texas uh, a decade ago? What's the status of the Longhorn Network? Well, I'd imagine if they go to the SEC, it's done. Um, and, and then uh, who knows what ESPN would do with the, with, with the network at that point, if they would make it a Big 12 network, if Big 12 even exists. Um, but, yeah, I would think that's gone because ESPN owns that, they own the SEC network, and m- maybe they make it a, se- a second SEC channel, <laughs> you know, to air more SEC stuff on there because they're going to have the content with the amount of teams in that league and the fan bases that drive the traffic. What if the SEC was just uh, really dreaming big and said, you know, let's really rock the college football scene and not only get Texas and Oklahoma, let's just go ahead and get Ohio State and Michigan too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good in theory, but <laughs> I, I just don't know if the if the politics would would right. get it that far and destroy the Big Ten. Um, I mean, I yeah, I, I've read some of that stuff out there too. That you know they'll get, they'll get Clemson and Florida State or you know two and right. just leave, leave everybody else out in the cold. I mean, yeah, that that 
I, I just would be shocked if, if something like that would happen. Um, I'm more interested in what the Big Ten's going to do, and I, I I don't know how you guys feel, but I don't have a lot of confidence in Kevin Warren right. um, kind of leading, leading the ship right now, and maybe that's why Barry Alvarez came into this role that he's in because I think the presidents probably know Kevin Warren's not exactly the best guy to be leading this thing right now, um, and having a, a really good, strong leader like Barry Alvarez up there now will help maybe in times like this. We're talking to Sean Callahan. He covers Nebraska. Let's talk about the Cornhuskers. Of course, they come to Champaign-Urbana August 28th for that Week Zero game against the Fighting Illini. Kind of a key season, I would guess, for uh, Scott Frost as head coach. No question. I mean, this game is as big as any game as he's had in four years, opening with a conference game on the road. Should have been in Ireland. Um, I was hoping to get a go. We'll, we'll go next year, though, um, out, out there to play Northwestern. But, yeah, this is a game, you know, a year ago, Nebraska was a decisive favorite over the Illini, 17 points in Lincoln, and Illinois came into Lincoln and, and, and knocked them around. And Luke McCaffrey played really poor, and that was kind of his last game playing as a starting quarterback. And that was, that was a low moment. I mean, that loss in Lincoln last year really, really knocked the wind out of things for Scott Frost because – there were two of those losses last year, Illinois and then Minnesota came in with like 40-some guys and beat Nebraska in Memorial Stadium. If they win those two games, which they were favored by two touchdowns in bowl, you know, the, the, the feel's different right now, and they should have won those two games if you just go off the numbers and what was out there, and, and they played really, really poorly. Um, so they, this is one that they've got to come out, and I, I like the team. I mean, it's the deepest team he's had, the most talent. It's year four. Got a four-year starting quarterback in Martinez, um, the best defensive group he's had by far. It's the deepest defense Nebraska's had in a number of years. So there's a lot there about this team um, that gets your attention, and I'm I'm really intrigued just to see how they come out in week zero. I think maybe uh, you answered part of my next question. I was going to ask you about the strengths. I think you touched on that. What uh, maybe are some of the concerns going into this season for you? Yeah, the running back position still remains a concern for me, um, getting the right guy. They have guys, but who is the guy is the problem. We don't know. And it could be a true freshman, Gabe Bourbon. It could be this walk-on named Jacques Yant that came in as an academic redshirt and then really emerged after a year, and he earned a scholarship. They've got Marvin Scott and then a USD transfer, Marquis Stepp. So one of those four guys has to, to be the running back they can't run Martinez like they have been doing it. I mean, you, you just can't stay healthy um, in the Big Ten running the quarterback as many times as they had to do it. So that's a big thing. The receiver position group, though, is going to be upgraded immensely. Scott Frost has said it's far and away the deepest and most talented group of receivers they've had. They, they've, they've just gone in and really remade that group. They brought in Samore Torre from um, Montana. He was the leading receiver in FCS football. He was an All-American, um, had over 1,500 yards as a junior, and, and he could have been drafted this year if he wanted to go pro, but he wanted to raise his stock and play one more year of football. So he'll be, I think, a surprise guy to a lot of folks in the Big Ten just because I don't think he's on very many radars right now. As I recall, though, last last year when when they played Illinois, uh, Mar- Martinez was, uh, was benched, wasn't it? Was that the game he was benched in, or had he been benched before? So, yeah, that was the game he was benched in, and here's kind of the, the timeline. They went out to Northwestern and almost won. 
Martinez threw a pick in the end zone, um, in the red zone. Terrible read, and they benched him. They put McCaffrey in. McCaffrey comes in the fourth quarter, played pretty well. So then they give McCaffrey the start against Penn State. Penn State played about as bad of a game as you can play, and Nebraska ekes it out, and they beat Penn State and Lincoln with McCaffrey. And McCaffrey didn't win the game for him necessarily, but he didn't lose the game. So then McCaffrey gets the start against Illinois, and that's when you know he, he just – you just knew he wasn't the guy. And, um, you know, you flip it around to Martinez, his best games of his career have come against Illinois. Yeah, they and sure have. Uh, and he comes in that game late, Lauren, in the fourth quarter, and he just starts zinging it around like he had been doing against Lovey Smith's defense the previous two years in a row. And I think all of us were like, man, maybe they should have just started Martinez because he's proven that he could pick apart that cover two of Lovey. And McCaffrey, on the, on the other hand, he ran the ball 21 times in the first half in that game. 21 times um, because he wasn't making his reads. He's just taking off and running. Well, I guess we just have to face Martinez again, which isn't a pleasant uh, thought for the Illini. But uh, what do you see on – oh, one other question I wanted to ask about the makeup of the Nebraska team. It looked like a lot of guys left, and, and you got a lot of guys in. Is that correct? I mean, like over 20 left and maybe 15 newcomers? Yeah, they, they had some freshmen. Like, here's some perspective on the defense, though. 17 of the top 20 players come back in terms of snaps played on defense. So they, they really only lost an inside linebacker and a corner. Um, and they've, they've replaced the inside linebacker with a really, really good transfer um, from northern, northern Iowa that, you know, has done great things in the spring and behind the scenes. And then they added a five-star corner from Ohio State from the transfer portal. So they, the two, two people they lost of note, um, they were placed on defense. But on offense, yeah, Wondell Robinson left, and, you know, they added Torre. So they've done a pretty good job of, you know, replacing what they lost. On the O-line, they had two really good um, guys that got drafted um, on the O-line, Matt Farniak and, and Brandon Hymas. But they've got a lot of young talent. I mean, Nebraska will start a a top 100 guy at left tackle and a top and a top 250 guy at right tackle. I mean, they're both six foot um, seven type guys. So that they've got a really nice looking group of young tackles on that line. Um, their center is going to be starting for the third year in a row now. So they've got him back, and you know they've got to get a couple guard things figured out. But that they lost a few key things. But a lot of the guys that left were guys that really had, didn't want to be here. You know, they, they had their own agendas and, and, and whatnot. And so I think this team, at least today, feels like it's in a pretty good spot. Well, Sean, I'll ask you one last question. And, and, and by the way, I appreciate you coming on with us this morning and giving us a good rundown here. Uh, what, what, what do you, how, how do people in Nebraska view Illinois in, in terms of this game? I think everybody remembers Brett Bielema and has a lot of respect for him. I mean, Nebraska – only beat him one time when he was at Wisconsin, and that was the year that they ended up winning the Big Ten still. Wisconsin um, was the third-place team that got to play in the title game and won it that year. But I think he has everyone's respect and attention around here. And I think that game last year, it really left a sour taste in their in their, in their mind. Um, I think Nebraska fans, though, you know, if, if this is the kind of game, if they lose this game, it could set the whole season off the rails because – it almost has the feel of a must-win game where things are at in year four. 
and the schedule Nebraska faces. That's the other thing. They have Oklahoma, they have Ohio State, hmm. they have Michigan, they have, they have Wisconsin, um, Iowa. You know, you go down the line, but they have a very difficult schedule. Now, the front half of this schedule, they've got three very favorable matchups to open the year, Illinois, Fordham, and Buffalo. And then they have Oklahoma. And they go to Michigan State, who's picked fit, uh, seventh in the East right now in the media pool. So you look at the first five games, and if you're a glass-half-full guy, you're like, you know what, there's a really good shot to be 4-1 and one here. And, and I think that's what Nebraska has to shoot for, is like we have to come out and, you know, Illinois is going to be in their first year, first game with a new coaching staff. And we were, we're in our fourth year with the fourth-year starting quarterback. We've got to go at them fast early and, and, and try to get some momentum in this game right away because it's not easy playing your first game with a new coaching staff, especially against a conference opponent. A lot of my fans like to do their research. How do they follow uh, what you and your uh, guys do there? How can they find well, uh, find Husker. that? We're at HuskerOnline.com. Um, we also have a great YouTube channel um, that puts a lot of videos on YouTube and on Husker Online. Our podcasts are on the Husker Online channel as well. So uh, lots of ways to, to follow our content. We'll definitely have tons of stuff running here from now until Champagne, and looking forward to getting out to Champagne for the game here on Week Zero. Well, we'll call you again, Sean, before you get here. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Okay, well, yeah, anytime, Lauren. Thanks, guys. Okay, that's Sean Callahan from Husker Online. Appreciate his time this morning on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 921. We'll take a quick break and be back with more. We've got a little open line before our next guest. If you'd like to jump in, 217-356-9397 is the number. Back with more after this. Welcome back to the show. Well, I'm I Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're hanging around till 11. There's basketball on the air this afternoon in the basketball tournament over in Peoria, the House of Pain, made up of mostly Illinois basketball alumni, will be in action. We'll have the game for you at 1 o'clock right here on News Talk 1400 DWS. Right now, the phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Let's go to the phones. Chuck is calling from Camargo. Hey, Chuck. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. How you doing? Hey, not too bad. Hey, I was listening to the Kofi press conference, and uh, it sounds like he hasn't been officially cleared to come back yet. Is that true? Uh, he's been cleared to come back, but he might have to serve, I would call, what I would call a minor penalty of some sort before selling his gear when he thought he wasn't coming back, I guess. Is that like, I don't know. They just said that uh, issued equipment. Is that what you heard, Steve? I did. And I wanted, you know, who's going to wear that? <laughs> I'd hang it up in my room. I don't think it fit any of the, the, the people that I know anyway, but uh, what else you got, Chuck? Well, that's it. I'm just curious. I didn't hear anything about that, so. Okay. Well, we don't know anything either. I mean, we're just waiting for them to tell us because I think that there are mitigating circumstances. If I'm a lawyer, I'm going to say that he didn't think he was with the team when he sold it, the, right. the equipment that he wasn't supposed to sell. And, uh, you know, it was his equipment at that point. But uh, I'm guessing it's not going to be a difficult situation. They have situation. to pay it back, you think? Out yeah, of the, somebody out of, will pay it out back. Of the, out of the 100000 he made this week. <laughs> <laughs> But he's back with workouts, and uh, that was good to see and good to hear from him and uh, Brad Underwood earlier this week on that, and that uh, certainly helps the excitement uh, with basketball coming up. 
Yeah, Underwood didn't help us in answering that question, though. No, he didn't. Kind of slid over because I, maybe maybe they're negotiating the thing right now. Probably are. Andre Corbello is going to be in Chicago. Yeah, I hope he's got a good, strong right arm. Today and tomorrow, he's going to be hanging around up there, and tomorrow he'll throw out the first pitch. Yes, sir. Brett Bielma's up there as well. Today, he's going to sing the seventh inning stretch, take me out to the ball game. <laughs> you shake your head like you'd like to do that. Well, you know, I, I had a chance once upon a time with the White Sox. Al Lopez, if anybody remembers that, I had a chance to pitch batting practice for the White Sox. You didn't know that, did you? I did not know that. I, did, I could have. And uh, I don't know why I turned it down, and I'm just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, well, you know, I thought it was, I, I don't did I think it was beneath my dignity or what? I should have gone in and thrown, uh, you know, I had a chance. When, I mean, when was this? Well, Al Lopez spoke at a banquet when, and when I was working at Hammond. I was pitching at the time. You know, on a, well, this just, is back when you could still throw. Back when I could still <laughs> throw a ball. And uh, it was, uh, you know, he, he was there and, and I talked to him. And he, I had a reputation at that time. You know, I, I pitched against the Pan American team and I did some things like that. that I had, you know, they, they knew who I was, particularly because I was a sports writer up there and and Al said, "Why don't you come down and, and uh, come down and pitch uh, batting practice for us?" And I said, "Yeah, okay, well, I'll think about it." <laughs> and I didn't do it, and so that's one of my regrets. I should have done that, but I didn't. Was that um, about the same time that you faced Lou Brock? Well, uh, yeah, it was about the same time, but I don't know if it's the same year. But right. it could have been. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that uh, Brock was on the Pan American team that I pitched against. Yeah. And he did what against a couple of doubles? or He hit two doubles in the game, but I can't remember if he got them both off me. I only pitched about the seventh inning. It was a really, it was over 100 degrees that day, and I remember it was really hot. And I came out in the sixth or seventh inning, I'm not sure. Do you think, uh, back to the um, expansion of conferences, do you think it's too late for the Big Ten, it sounds like it is, for the yes. Big Ten to make a run at Texas and Oklahoma? Yes, Uh I just wonder, I always wonder, what would have happened if, if uh, Delaney had stayed on as commissioner because he was alert to those kinds of things. And now we find out that these negotiations have been going on since January. And if, if that's the case, uh, it's, it's a lot further along, Steve, than you and I right. realize. And um, I know that at one time, uh, that the Big Ten was interested in trying to bring in Texas, of course, and it was, I think it was about the same time that they were flirting with the uh, Pac-12. But um, I think it's too late now. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th I think this it uh, it just sounds like it's a done deal, and it's gonna it's gonna just disrupt the entirety of uh, of, of of football in, in this country, and and not only football, but you know they're bringing along all those other. Uh, somebody mentioned yesterday that maybe they should just have a football league and have all the other sports, you know, the, the, these all these other sports are traveling from coast to coast to play, which they don't need to do. But the football teams uh, naturally are, are flying from coast to coast to play. Right. You got West Virginia in the Big 12. You got Colorado in the, in the Pac-12. You got, you know, this just what, – what, what is uh, Rutgers doing in the Big 10? You know, this I could keep talking about this, but it kind of bugs me. Let's take a call here before we take a break at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to St. Louis. Ryan is with us. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for taking my call. I love your show. Um, I got two quick questions for Lauren. I've called before. We're in late July. Does Lauren still believe that anything will happen to Bill Self? And the other question I have is, 
What do you think Kansas is going to do now that Oklahoma and Texas are gone? Is anybody going to care if Kansas wins the Big 12 from here on out? Well, Kansas has already applied to the Big 10, we hear. So I don't think the Big 10 will take Kansas, but they might. I mean, I, I don't know what you – know, the problem. here's the problem with the teams that, that the Big 10 is interested in. They're all basketball schools. Kansas is a basketball school. Duke is a basketball school. North Carolina essentially is a basketball school. Virginia is, is more basketball than anything. I mean, uh, you, this, these decisions are all football decisions. They're not basketball decisions. And as far as Bill Self is, the answer is, yes, I think something will happen from an NCAA level. It's not going to happen at Kansas because got, he's got a contract that no matter what they say, he's still going to be okay at Kansas. But uh, that, there's a lot, it's, it's way past time for that new organization, which is they've got a five-person uh, panel that's supposed to make a decision on these five or six cases you know lsu arizona kansas i mean uh i don't i don't know uh when they're going to get around to it but they have to get around to it at some point and and we're talking about a, a, a an fbi investigation that was became known in 2017 steve 2017 it's four years later september of 2017 here we are in you know practically in august of of uh 2021 and and uh, that's four years and nothing's happened now the first part of that period uh the big 10 couldn't investigate because the the uh, uh the federal uh, they, they they had to let the 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 court cases run there before they even started and and so and then when they turned this information over to this new panel they had to reinvestigate what the nca had already done so this took another year and millions of dollars in in legal fees for the investigation to be redone so it's it's a it's a mess but the answer i think ultimately they'll make a decision about kansas they have to anything else ryan just a curiosity question what schools would you like to see illinois go after from a football perspective if they're going to expand their brand texas (laughs) we should have gone we've been gone (laughs) that's right well i I, uh, Steve, I, are you interested in Iowa State? Not especially. You, you want to go back after uh, Missouri? No, they seem to be doing okay in the SEC, uh, or at least yeah. they're happy with what they're getting there. Uh, you can always go back to Notre Dame. Well, you, you but, know, Jim Phillips is going to bring them into the right. ACC if he can, and right. they ain't coming. They're going to stay exactly where they are. They've got the world by the tail. They're going to be an independent as long as you, as long as we live. Right. What about right, you, uh, Ryan? You got a favorite team that uh, you'd like oh. to see in or two? I don't know what you look at because the thing of it's weird. I know that West Virginia is in the Big Twelve, but I, I think it's really odd when people start going all over with the geography and stuff. But I mean, I guess if that's how it's going to go, I mean, you might as well. I don't, I, I can't really think of anybody because it seems like the SEC keeps expanding. I got friends of mine that think that Ohio State's going to bail and join the. Um, SEC or some other conference at some point because they're so far, I mean, second place to Ohio State is so far away. I keep having people say that Ohio State's going to be gone in 10 years. Yeah, Ohio out, State's but. never had it so good. They got a bunch of teams they can yeah. beat, and and if they go in that SEC, they're going to be fighting for their life every week. Not every week, but a lot. If, if you play Texas and Oklahoma and Alabama in, in, in a season, you're going to have problems. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, thanks for the call. We appreciate it.
Yep. Thanks for listening down in St. Louis. 933 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Back with more after this. Stay with us. It is 936 here on DWS Champaign-Urbana. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We got started at 9. We're heading towards 11. Phone lines always open, 217-356-9397. Big Ten Media Days this week in Indianapolis. Talking a lot of football, a lot of uh, football-related news. Let's go to uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, welcome in uh, Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. Good morning, Nathan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys this morning? We're fine. Before we talk football and Big Ten stuff, how about the uh, Cleveland Guardians? Uh, <laughs> that news uh, came out yesterday. Uh, I'm sure you followed that story. And uh, give us a little history of, uh, of why that name was picked, if you can. Yeah, you know, I don't have a lot of insight in that, not, not having grown up in this area. And, and uh, I know as much as, as you guys do, obviously, though, that that's, that's been trending that way for a while, that the team wanted to you know move away from the – the previous uh, Indians name and um, they had, had kind of been living in limbo for a little while without a name. And that, I don't know if people have seen, if you, if you watch the movie major league, like the very first shot of major league is of these statues um, or a statue that that's outside the, the, um, the old stadium. And that that's what the guardians are. The guardians, they call them like the guardians of traffic. I can't remember what the, the legitimate name is, but that's where that name comes from. So, it's something that that I know people when they first hear it probably wonder if they think it might have like kind of come out of nowhere, but it it has a specific tie back to Cleveland baseball. And your organization uh, kind of did the uh, preseason poll of the Big Ten. Uh, you uh, contact somebody from each market, I guess, each Big Ten school and media, and you came up with uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State in the uh, respective divisions, West and East. Give us a little more uh, about the, the process of putting that together as well as uh, some of the uh, preseason offensive and defensive players of the year. Just you go by votes, I would guess, right? Yeah, so this goes back to 11 years ago. This is the 11th year we've done the poll. And the Big Ten used to do something similar, but they sort of abandoned it. And a, a lot of conferences maybe still do this, but for whatever reason, the Big Ten um, got away from it. I don't think they wanted to hurt the feelings of whoever got voted last or, or whatever. But well, we picked it up since then. We send out ballots to, I think we had 34 voters this year. So you're getting a couple really from every school in the conference, or at least we try to. It was a pretty even split, I think, between East and West. And that's exactly what it is. And we ask everybody to, to give their one through seven predicted finish. And we ask everybody to vote for three offensive and defensive uh, preseason players of the year um and and we, we we rank them and and like assign points to each of those votes so yeah i mean ohio state i don't think it surprises anybody was the unanimous you know, they got all 34 first place votes in the east and then wisconsin uh, had 29 of the 34 first place votes in the west and they that so i gave them 233 points to 202 for iowa so those are the two kind of clear predicted favorites in the west you know, I, I want to get around to Wisconsin a little bit. I, I don't know why everybody has just uh, uh, considers them after last season, uh, the way I was playing, the way Northwestern played. Of course, I think Northwestern's up and down, but I, even Minnesota, I, Wisconsin, 29 out of 34. That kind of surprised me. Did it surprise you? It surprised me that it was that lopsided yeah. yeah i mean even though i actually full disclosure i did give my first place vote to wisconsin and my second place vote to iowa but 
I, I understand why people are high on Iowa, especially the way that they ended the season last year. They beat Wisconsin late last season. Um, I, I was surprised that it wasn't that there wasn't more first place support for Iowa. I don't know if it comes down to. I think maybe Iowa plays at Wisconsin this year. I'm double checking that now as we speak. Yeah, Iowa plays at Wisconsin. So I know one way people do this is to go through and just sort of mock out the whole schedule mm-hmm. and, and go by who. And if they think Wisconsin and Iowa were going to sort of tie with the same record, but maybe Wisconsin wins that game at home over Iowa, that's how they decided that. That's sort of how I was thinking about it. But I, I was surprised that there weren't more than five first-place votes for Iowa. And I actually thought that there might be some for Northwestern. I mean, they have won two, the West two of the last three years. And, yes, they lost some major talent, Greg Newsom and, and Peyton Ramsey, the quarterback from last year, moving on. But they retain a lot of good talent, and they've added this other, you know, highly regarded quarterback, Ryan Holinsky, on top of that. I think Northwestern is the team that people maybe missed on a little bit, which is what happened last year. This vote last year was pretty close between Wisconsin and Minnesota for first place, and Northwestern was fifth in the prediction. And only one guy, our columnist Doug Lamerys, uh, picked Northwestern to, as the potential West champion, and that's what ended up happening. Yeah, well, Northwestern, every time they win, it's a surprise. <laughs> but uh, uh, was, uh, North, Ohio State has got roughly 50% of their, pl- of their production gone from last year. I don't question them at all, but I just wonder, what are the problems that they might have in, in filling? Do they have any problems at all? Oh, uh, yeah, problems, I mean, it's one of those age-old things, like what's the difference between a a concern and a a just like a question, you know what I mean? Because Ohio State uh, has to replace all of its starting linebackers. Ohio State um, had problems in the secondary last year and lost one of the guys, I mean, they lost a consensus All-American in Sean Wade um, and have to try to replace him and have a lot of the same guys back to try to, um, play better than they did a year ago in the secondary. They have a first-year quarterback. It's not even, not only is it going to be a first-year quarterback or a first-time starter, it's going to be either a freshman or a redshirt freshman. The three guys who are competing, none of them have ever thrown a pass in a game. You know, they have questions. Uh, the, ish, the thing is, though, Ohio State tends to always have a pretty good player on its roster who's gotten buried, who now it's his turn. I mean, the guys at linebacker, that includes, like, you know, a, a top 50 a guy who was a top 50 prospect coming out of high school when he was a freshman, and now he just got to his senior year and hasn't ever really been able to break through the log jam they had there. And they've got some other talented guys. The, the quarterback situation, it's a um, a five-star and a guy who was almost a five-star and another guy who was ranked really highly, um, you know, as high as anybody else in the Big Ten. This obviously isn't a, a league that's really, like, known for its quarterback play. I mean, those are the three guys competing to be the first-year starter. So there's always talent. It's just a matter of whether that talent gets on the field and performs right away, and that's especially true this year because of the schedule. I mean, they go at Minnesota, um, a team that I think people um, were high on last year, and then because they regressed a little or seemed to, maybe they're sleeping on them a little bit this year, but a lot of veteran talent, especially on the offensive side for Minnesota, they get a weird midweek Thursday night opener for them, so that's the the debut for this first-time quarterback, whoever it ends up being. And then the second game of the year, they play Oregon, which has a really, really tough defense. Um, so they've got to be ready at, at the start of the year with a lot of unknowns. I think Ryan Day said yesterday, 45 first and second year players. So 
again, people look at the recruiting rankings. All those guys are talented, like clearly. Like Ohio State does that every year. They reload every year. It's just a matter of how quickly they're ready to play at a championship Big Ten level. Talking to Nathan Beard from Cleveland.com, the Illini did not get a lot of respect in uh, this poll and some other preseason polls. And I, I think the reasons are obvious. A new coaching staff uh, coming in, and they were just 2-6 and six last year. But uh, your thoughts on that? Did any any of the uh, voting there surprise you with uh, Purdue 6th, Illinois 7th, Nebraska 5th in the West? No. Uh, if anything, I thought maybe there would be maybe a little bit more support for Purdue ahead of Nebraska although I understand why people still have some confidence in Nebraska. From a talent standpoint, you know, if, if you were to break that down, the recruiting rankings and all that stuff, Nebraska still holds up pretty well in the West. Purdue obviously has two, like, standout players in, in George Karloftis and David Bell. Um, you know, they've got one of the – two of the – like, I don't know, you could argue, like, what, like five or six best players in the Big Ten. Um, but the rest of the roster, I, I understand why people have questions about that. And, and with Illinois, they got out of the 34 voters, they got, I think, three fifth-place votes, and the rest were sixth and seventh. And uh, that's just where they're going to be until they prove otherwise. You know, they've, they've until, except for the one bowl season under under Levy, it, it was obviously, I don't need to tell you guys, it's been pretty rough there for a long time. And I grew up in central Illinois, so I always kind of pay attention to them a little bit more. And I know people have been frustrated as to why they haven't really been able to, to, to break out of that basement. And... I think, though, that they've picked a guy who knows how to do that. I think Brett Bilma is going to help maybe give that program some identity that it's been lacking, something a foundation that it can build on. And I would expect Illinois to to have one of its, you know, I know it's been sort of a roller coaster over the years, and some of the peaks have been pretty fun, and I think they're probably going to get back to that, but I don't know how quickly it's going to happen. It might still be two or three years removed before you can make a surge like that. Well, how do you evaluate when a team comes back with – 22 super seniors and 20 seniors that's I mean 18 uh, 40 total who could be called seniors I mean they're not maybe not great players but they sure have a lot of experience how do you evaluate that you know that's going to be an interesting thing really around the Big Ten I think we this was first happening and we talked about it um, on our podcasts and things that we do, we were a little skeptical of what the real impact was going to be, that this might be just a few guys who do it. But um, it, it's really seemed like it's, it, it's a factor for every team in the Big Ten. I think it's going to maybe end up having a little bit of a say in um, um, who ends, could end up winning this conference or at least winning the West. Because uh, I know there's other teams that, that have several of these guys too. I mean, Ohio State, um, Thayer Munford is a guy who uh, Pro Football Focus ranked him um, among the, the best returning tackles. Actually, I think they picked him the number one returning tackles in the country on offense. And Haskell Garrett, uh, I think they had him, I think, maybe number one on defense. And those are both guys who we thought were completing their careers last year, but then they took advantage, and now they're coming back for that super senior year. So even a team like Ohio State, like I said, they're always kind of reloading. There's always somebody hanging back there. That actually kind of caused a problem for Ohio State because they had this guy, Paris Johnson, who was the number one tackle in the country uh, coming into to last year's class, everyone sort of thought this would be his year to take over at left tackle, and now he's got to play guard because the tackles are still here longer than people thought would be. So uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by what, how that's going to help shape how this, this season plays out. And obviously for a team like Illinois, um, I mean, let's be honest, in, in both divisions there are those teams at the top that you don't really expect to lose 
to necessarily anybody. But once you get past like the fourth team in the conference, it, or maybe even third, it's really kind of up for grabs, right? I mean, on any week, any one of those other teams can, can I think, plausibly beat somebody. So Illinois, when you've got a veteran roster like that, I think it, it helps your uh, your chances of maybe catching somebody by surprise and winning a game that you're quote unquote not supposed to. Yeah, a, a veteran roster, but all with an all new coaching staff. It's kind of it's kind of unusual. Right. Uh, I just one last thought: Indiana, Iowa, the first week; Minnesota, Ohio State, the first week; Illinois, Nebraska. I mean, we're going to learn an awful lot right off the bat. I mean, how do you see Iowa and Indiana panning out? I think that's an awesome game. And like like you were saying, I think people maybe are, are sleeping a little bit. The consensus is sleeping a little bit on Iowa. I think that's a really tough game for Indiana. It's definitely a, a, a prove-it game a little bit for Indiana. There's someone that I've sort of retained some skepticism about. With all due respect to what Tom Allen has done there, they really haven't beaten anybody uh, in these last couple of years. I mean, I think other than going up to Wisconsin and winning last year, I think that was the first time that they've beaten a team in the last, I don't remember how long it had been, that ended the season with a winning record. Um, they've, it, it's been a little bit, they happened to get, you know, Penn State and Michigan in the right scenario um, last year. It, so this year is the year, like, what do you do with all these expectations? Because now Indiana is not like the fun underdog anymore. Indiana is the team that people expect to win. They, they finished third, uh, somewhat narrow third behind Penn State in this poll. But that's telling you that people think that they're going to be, you know, one of the the better teams in the Big Ten. So how do they respond to that? Because now the expectations are that they should go out and beat teams like, you know, Michigan and those teams in the West. You know, people probably think they should beat Iowa. So how do they respond to that? Um, This is a year where for Indiana, with with the talent that they have coming back with Penix and Fry Fogel and McFadden, um, they're they're sort of at the end of this little window here because those guys are going to be cycling through. So do they come back this year and live up to those expectations to kind of maximize that window? I know people think that like one of the big games, the big 10 this year could be when Iowa state has to go to Bloomington, but I think we'll find out a little bit from this first week when they play Iowa, just how, uh, how big people, how seriously people should take that game later in the year. Hey Nathan, good stuff. Appreciate uh, talking to you and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thank you very much. Anytime guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks Nathan. Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 9.50, a quick break, and back with more after this. Nine fifty two phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Illini Pellis, Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. A couple of interesting guests here in the first hour. Sean Callahan from Husker Online and Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. Coming up at uh, 10 o'clock to start our second hour of the show, we've got Joe Hendrickson talking about uh, high school basketball recruiting. A lot going on, a lot of uh, games being played as we speak around the country. Yeah, well, a lot of recruiting going on and... and, uh Nobody knows more about it than Joe does. And then at uh, about 10.20, 10.30, a young man named Cam Cox will stop in and visit with us. He is the NIL coordinator for uh, the University of Illinois. That'll be interesting. First uh, kind of a, a job. Uh, he'll tell us about how that's going to work and a lot of talk about that. And it's, well, it's off and running. We're about a month into it. Yeah, we're hearing some weird things around the country, aren't we? 
And we're hearing that uh, the Illinois offensive line is getting close to, to coming up with some kind of uh, uh, deal for them, some a kind group. of arrangement as a group. Did you hear uh, what Day said, the Ohio State head football coach, said that he w- he's thinking because of, the, of what happened at uh, Alabama where the qu- new quarterback is already supposedly nearing a, a million dollars in NIL income, that there ought to be some way uh, at Ohio State, he's hopeful, that they can spread it around uh, among the team. You know? I think that'd be a good idea. Yeah, and do you spread it around just one group of players, or the all ninety, or all eighty-five on scholarship, or ninety maybe this year on scholarship, or everybody that's a walk? <laughs> you know, how do you do that? Well, that was one of the concerns when this was first being talked about. How do you keep everybody happy and avoid jealousies of the star players or whatever? And I don't know that that's the answer, but. Certainly, they're well, thinking if about it. If you're the star player, which you would be, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, and you had a let's say a hundred thousand dollar deal, would you want to spread it around with everybody else, and and uh, you'd only receive uh, you know a lot a, a, a fraction of it? I'd, I'd tell the the powers to be this: get me mine, <laughs> but also get get it for the other guys too. But don't take it out of mine. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> just don't take it out That's of right. yours. Just get more from. <laughs> The total and uh, give me mine and give them theirs and we'll be good. <laughs> That's probably the same thing you would have said. Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. We're, we're still not working. doing that. We're not doing this for the money, are we? No, we're still working on our nil deal. Uh, nobody stepped up quite yet on that, so uh, you could be the first if you want to. If you want to hire Lord and I. A um, couple other things going on around town. Twin City Golf is underway down. At Savoy. Does that sound strange? Yeah, yes, it is First strange. time ever. Yeah. The uh, first 18 holes are underway on the Orange. They had a little scheduling conflict uh, with the uh, local country clubs. They'll be at Lincolnshire tomorrow. Lincolnshire tomorrow. And a field of uh, uh, about 60 players in that uh, all together. And uh, so the first 18 holes are being played. The weather looks good. We've got uh, 79 degrees. A little bit of haze. Did you notice the haze this week of I did. from the Western Fires? I did. I did. It's amazing. I went to golf. I uh, went to play golf uh, Wednesday up at uh, the Wyvern Course in uh, Bloomington Normal, and I uh, noticed it quite quite a bit up there. And you could almost even kind of smell it. Really? It, yeah, it was interesting. Um, but uh, that uh, Twin City is going on. If you want to go out and watch some good golf at the Orange today, Lincolnshire tomorrow. One other golf note, congratulations to Parkland head coach Corbin Siebens, named a National Coach of the Year by the Collegiate Golf Association. You, you can't keep these Monticello men down. No, he had uh, he had the Cobras in that uh, national championship uh, run there where they did very, very well and won it. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Let's get another call in uh, before we take our break. Steve is with us down in Kentucky. Hey, Steve. Hey guys, appreciate you taking my call. I uh, always enjoy your, your show. I typically listen to it on a podcast, so uh don't typically call in live, but uh just uh had a quick thought here. Wanna get what what you guys thought about this. But uh uh last week when uh Kofi announced he was returning to, to Illinois, I'm down in Florida with my uh dad and brother. That's what we share a common interest in and passion about is Illinois sports and uh, we let out a bunch of cheers like we had just won the national championship when we heard the news. And embarrassing enough, I, I even my voice was a little hoarse uh, the next day. And my wife's like, "Did you lose your voice from 
yelling about Kofi returning to <laughs> Illinois. And, so she's giving me a hard time. But uh, um, but my, my thought is, is with scheduling, you know, Brad Underwood put his top three as the staff recruiting and scheduling. And with Kofi returning and us now jumping into top 10, top 15 discussions, I don't know, I feel like we need to add one more big game to our non-conference schedule, a Blue Blood, a Texas, uh, somebody, I mean, Gonzaga seems like they're willing to play anybody um, because I feel like they announced the ACC scheduling games a little too soon. I don't think they would have scheduled us in Notre Dame if they knew Kofi was going to come back and we were going to be right at the top of the Big Ten. So, I don't know. I, I just want to see your guys' thoughts um, with the Illinois basketball schedule. Obviously, it's still early. There's some games I think they need to still plug in, but I'm kind of hoping they, they get a you know a marquee game, one more, just uh, against some of the teams that are supposed to be at the top. Well, you're calling from Kentucky. Just how about Kentucky? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I'd love to see that. Um, uh, my neighbors and all of us would, would have to get together and, and fight it out, but uh, you know that would be great. What do you think, Lauren? Well, I don't think they're going to schedule any more tough games. They've got a really tough schedule already. I mean, really, really, really tough. When you analyze just who they're playing, I mean, this is – I don't think we've had a tougher schedule, have we? This might be as tough as we've ever had. Could be, yeah. Anything else, uh, Steve? No, nope, that's it. Appreciate the call. Thanks for listening, by the way. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Moving up on 10 o'clock, WDWS – Champaign-Urbana, Arizona, uh, Notre Dame is on that schedule. Uh, there's there's some good ones as you mentioned, and uh, and once you get into the Big Ten schedule, you got the tournament game. We're going to going to avoid Kansas State in that one. <laughs> Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you when you stop and when you talk about the Gavin AAC games, and then you got Missouri, and then I mean, and then you got a twenty game Big Ten schedule. If you analyze it, I don't know that that you could find a year, and I haven't studied enough to really make this statement, but just off the top of my head, it looks to me like there's never been a tougher schedule. We always have four or five meaningless games at the end of every at the beginning of every season forever. Well, you're like me. Uh, you'd like to see tough oh. games. Oh yeah, I'd love but, to see them. But I understand why you don't play all tough games. Yeah, but got to do what you got to do. 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Coming up after this, stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Heading towards 11 o'clock. Give us a call if you want to jump in here, 217-356-9397. Baseball action yesterday and last night. Cincinnati over the Cardinals 6-5. The Cubs beat Arizona 8-3. Milwaukee got by the White Sox 7-1. How are you feeling about the second half of the baseball season? My meaningless for the Cubs and Cardinals. I think I think the Cardinals uh, aren't going to make a run for it. I you know, and and they're only seven or eight games behind. But it's just more than I think they can overcome with the pitching staff that they have. Uh, 
as far as uh, Cubs, we're going to find out in the next week who they've got, who, who's going to who's going to finish the season for the Cubs because either either going to pay an awful lot of money to uh, three guys or or they're going to give them up without trading them uh, because they become free agents or they're going to you know they're going to sign them and and so I I don't know this this is a uh, the Cubs have got a, a lot of big decisions here to make in the next week. Uh, White Sox, did Tony get thrown out last night, by the way? I don't know. I didn't yeah, notice. Sort of got thrown out. So I don't know what happened that caused it. I wasn't watching it. So, um, But uh, there was the strangest one I called you last night. That was the strangest. I didn't see exactly what happened. We had a batter walk, go to first base, standing on first base. A new batter comes to the plate, and all of a sudden – they're checking the previous batter, and he only had three balls. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and he count. had to come back and bat. I, I thought, what is going on? Yeah, they, he went to first base, and matter of fact, the Cardinal pitcher was ready to face the next batter, and then Mike Schilt came out and said whatever he wanted to say there, and he thought the count was not correct. And they they went to the review, they went to New York, and they, they looked at it pitch by pitch, and it was three and two. Three and two count. So they brought him back, and uh, – then he fouled off a couple of balls yeah. and then uh, grounded out. Then the, uh, the Reds fans booed the umpire after, after <laughs> that. Him. If he did a home run, they'd had a different. Uh, well, it's really embarrassing for an umpire to lose count. Exactly. Well, especially all of them. I mean, you, you think one yeah. of them would know what well, to count. All, they've all got that little right. thing in their hand where they keep track of the balls right. and strikes. And But uh, anyway, that's what happened. But, you know, the surprise to me of this season, if, if you really want to get down to it, is the Dodgers and the Yankees. Why is it that I think that they should be so much better and the Yankees keep losing and the Dodgers keep blowing games? Right. And the the other end of that is the Giants and, the, the, oh, and yeah. how they're, they're playing. They're way better than I ever dreamed. Let's talk uh, some basketball. Joe Henriksen is with us from City Suburban Hoops Reports. Joe, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I, I can keep talking baseball. I, I love talking baseball. <laughs> well, you can tell us what the Cubs are going to do, huh? Who they're going to get rid of? No, I don't. I don't care about the Cubs. I'm all White Sox. Okay. okay. Well, they're playing. With, they're playing pretty well for sure. They've got a nice, uh, nice roster there. How's La Russa going over? Do you think with the fans? Uh, I mean, everybody was all up and up and bunches about you know early on, and uh, I mean the bottom line is they they're in first place with uh, one of the best records of baseball with devastating injuries. So. Uh, I'll take them, you know. Uh, they're, they're in a spot now that I wouldn't have expected them to be in after all the injuries they've had. So are you watching basketball as we speak? Uh, yeah, well, actually, yeah. Um, yeah I bounce around a little bit, but I just got off because I did not get down to Peach Jam um, uh, this year. And, I, you know, I wanted to watch Mean Streets. They were playing uh online i watched the stream just got off of that they won their quarterfinal game basically in the final seconds so they advanced that's with aj casey uh, obviously uh the top player in, in, in the class in illinois and um his team advanced to the semifinals of the peach jam which is you know those people that aren't familiar with the circuit and club basketball the nike eybl basketball is you know, it, it is the highest level. It's the best basketball played, and in, in the, in the, in Under Armour is right, just kind of right there with them, just a notch below usually. And so them advancing to the semifinals that EYBL uh, Peach Jam is, is pretty impressive for the Mean Streets team that features, you know, the red-hot Cam Craft, who the kid that's going to committed to Xavier. 
Um, and then obviously A.J. Casey, uh, senior at Whitney Young. Well, to talk to you a little bit, we I don't, I don't think we have talked to you since it was made known that uh, Brad Underwood uh, has completed his coaching staff with the hiring of Tim Anderson, who starts on the job, by the way, on Monday. Your thoughts of that hire? Well, you know, I just – obviously they emphasize a little bit of some kind of Chicago-Illinois connection. Um, Tim was in a rough spot at DePaul. Um I just think all the way around, it was a tough situation. And, um, you know, obviously they didn't win. Um, but Tim has is, is grown as, in terms of reputation of, of being a guy who's unbelievable in, in the training of players and getting them better and uh, maximizing their talents and getting them ready for the next level, which I think does resonate with a lot of prospects. It's a little bit underrated. Uh, and the recruiting pitches of college programs. Uh, I mean, that, that's guys, that's one thing, you guys, that, that if you really, really talk to families of higher-level players and, and kids and AAU coaches, and, uh, and, and which Illinois has not had a real good track record of, um, is that uh, giving guys the NBA, you know, and where you can identify – uh, players that are in the NBA with specific college programs. And, you know, Illinois had that, you know, Darren and, and is obviously the biggest one over the last, you know, 20 years, Darren Williams, but that just helps. It just, it's, it just kind of, kind of proves your worth as a program, as a coaching staff. Uh, it puts a spotlight on your program and it emphasizes player development, star quality and what those players want to get to. Cause even though very few of them go to the NBA, they all think they are NBA players. Uh, you're, you're not telling today's seniors in high school anymore uh, that, hey, let's be realistic, you're, you don't have an NBA dreams, but all of them do, and, and uh, you being able to tap into that a little bit uh, is a bonus with, with Tim Anderson. Joe, this is Lauren. Uh, at, would you say at this point that AEU summer basketball has surpassed the high schools in terms of uh, particularly in evaluating talent, if, and, and if that is true, when did that actually, when did it pass high school? Well, as far as evaluating players, yeah. Lauren, or... Yeah, yeah, evaluating players. Well, I think uh, it's been twofold. I mean, obviously, AU just exploded about 20 years ago, uh, and it's just got more prevalent. And, 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 and I think the biggest... There's two things. Obviously, you've got the best players all playing together in one spot, which is a huge bonus in evaluating players. Mm-hmm. The second part of it is just the timing of it nowadays. You know, college programs and coaching staff are more invested during the season than I've ever seen in my 25 years of doing this. And that means just obviously you've got your scouting and, and your preparation, and but just staying on top of your kids and dealing with different things and their academics and so during the season, basically from November, you know, and particularly during the high school season, November to March, it has just become a bear for them to get out mm-hmm. and see players. So it, it goes without saying. I mean, if you're not going to be able to get out and see, you know, kids um, in the winter, then that leaves you the two evaluation periods in the spring and, and the three in the summer. So I think that's become, you know, an exclamation point in, in terms of why the club basketball scene has become the way to evaluate. Now – they, they, you know, two, two, three years ago, they tried to get high school back more involved a little bit. 
by opening up, um, and I'm sorry about all the noise and sirens and traffic. I, I stepped outside here. Um, I, I just think that, you know, high school is trying to get back more involved with these June live periods. They had two live periods this past June. They started that two years ago. They took a year off because of COVID. But I do think they still like to see them with their high school teams as well as uh, on AAU club basketball. Uh, I, I mean, I do too as an evaluator. I mean, I, I, I have shifted gears myself over the years. Um, you know, it, it's become more and more club basketball AAU. Um, but again, I, I kind of relish and cherish the time that I can see them playing with the high school team uh, because I, I sometimes I like seeing that because there's more at stake. I like seeing them, mm-hmm. you know, in the championship game at the Pontiac Holiday Tournament. I like to see what they do and handle themselves in a full gym and a sectional final game uh, in March. So I like to see those situations as well. Yeah, I, I think you're talking about playing under pressure. And, I, and a lot of these AAU games, I, I'm sure that when the guys are on the court, uh, but the, the fan uh, turnouts aren't the same. And, and uh, they're right. just – it's just a, a different atmosphere all the way around. You mentioned Casey right. a while ago. Do you kill? You got Casey still ahead of Shut. And am I pronouncing that name right? Is it Shut? Uh, shoot, Jaden Shoot. Shoot. So it is yeah, Shoot. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody does call him Shut, but um, I, you know, I just think that I, I, I'm going to have an article coming out this week or probably next week. How we haven't had a race for number one um, with multiple players in it in quite some time, and I think that's what we're going to have between Jaden Shute, A.J. Casey, even Cam Kraft. Cam Kraft, the kid from Buffalo Grove, who's going to Xavier, has had one of the most productive, best springs and summers of any players in Illinois. A.J. Casey has really been – he struggled a little bit. You know, he is battling a, a, a broken finger and a ripped a tornail, a, um, ripped nail off his finger. So he, he's battling a little bit of that, but – uh, yeah, I mean, Jaden Shute is, is become, I mean, if you put me on the spot right now and I, I'm going to evaluate all of this, but I think he has maybe inched his way up to that top spot in the class. Um, he's vastly underrated in, in national rankings. Uh, he'll be a consensus top 100 kid when it's all said and done um, after July. He's just, a, as I've talked about, written and tweeted for three years, he's the best shooter I've seen in Illinois. Uh, in my 25 years of doing this. Well, Illinois coaches have been following him everywhere they go, haven't they? Everywhere she yeah, goes. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, um, you know, obviously Duke got involved. They offered him in June. Uh, Coach John Shire, obviously Illinois guy. And I talked to John, you know, about a lot about it in June. And and uh, he's got six. He's going to have a lot of scholarships at Duke. And he's going to bring a lot of high school kids, so they'll be front and center in that recruitment. Michigan State, he's made a visit already, an official visit in June. Uh, you know, Iowa's involved, Oklahoma. So, it, you know, it's going to be, um, you know, one of those, I think it's going to be one of those drawn-out deals. Um, I think they'll take their time a little bit here after July and set up some visits. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, he's he is what he is. He's a guy that, that you really covet at this level or in, in basketball right now because everybody wants spread the floor, knock down shooters that in this day and age, and, and he's one of the best. What are you hearing about the recruitment of A.J. Casey and who might uh, be some of his favorites or hardest pursuers? Yeah, I, I think he's wide open. I, I don't think – I mean, he has not been uh, – he has not taken a ton of visits. 
Uh, I think it will be interesting to see who is involved and who's, you know, Ohio State was, was, was very active in the beginning. Um, Gonzaga was early on. Um, they've been still involved a little bit. Illinois, obviously, DePaul, and um, other Big Ten programs. Have, have, I just – it's going to be interesting to see because he has not had a real good summer. Um, so do the, you know, the high level, highest level programs, do they back off? You know, uh, that remains to be seen. I, I anticipate that his national ranking will drop. You know, he's a consensus top 30 prospect right now, uh, but has not looked at the part, at least, you know, in the last several weeks. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where that, where that goes from here uh, going forward, both, you know, with the, not the rankings matter, but um, both with that and then kind of the, just the overall interest. We uh, just had a text on our text line uh, with a question about a player that uh, this uh, – Listener wants to know about Zach Cleveland. What can you tell us about him? Oh, yeah, I, I love Zach Cleveland. He's a kid from normal high school. Uh, he ended things quickly in June, just as his recruitment was starting to heat up. He ended it with a commitment to Liberty. Uh, and somewhat surprising in terms of, I mean, uh, because it, it's just not the way high school kids and, and people do it now. Uh, they kind of when it just starts to percolate a little bit, they, they let it ride out and see where it lands and uh, see where it goes. And he, he pulled the trigger quick, and that's a great steal for Liberty. He is a high active, high energy, plays hard, tough, 6'6", four-man, uh, who's around, plays up above the rim, runs the floor, really solid mid-major program who Missouri Valley Conference schools were really, really starting to warm up to, had a couple offers, Illinois State, and, and, and it was just starting to kind of, you know, trickle in, in, in terms of, you know, higher level recruitment in terms of mid-majors, and then he, he committed to Liberty, and, uh, you know, he's a highly productive uh, high school kid who's going to have a great senior year. Joe, in, in the past, you've alerted us to the fact that a lot of players have been leaving the state and going elsewhere. Do you see, is that, has that happened again this year? Well, um, th- it, there is a lot of rumors of, you know, kid A, B, and C that, that may be doing that. Um, I was hoping, you know, in our class of 2023, uh, we've got two kids that still play for, you know, local. Jeremy Fears, who from Joliet, is mm-hmm. at Lalamure. Yeah. He'd be a top five prospect in the class. He's a high major kid. Matas Bazilis is a 6'8 forward. He was from Hinsdale, played at Hinsdale Central as a freshman. He left, went to Brewster Prep School. I was hoping those two were coming back. It does not appear that they are coming back. Uh, and then there's, you know, a few names that I've heard that may be leaving. So, the younger kids. So, I, I unfortunately, Lauren, I think it's, and I, it pains me to say it for what I do and who I am and the, 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 just the respect I have for basketball in the state, the historical value I have in it and following it since I've been a kid and, and doing what I do with the Sun Times and my scouting service. I hate seeing it and I would kick and scream to, to get it back to the way it was and I just see it slipping away, man. I just see the trend um, going in the direction of whether it be a prep school or these basketball academies or basically the European style. Um, 
it's not going to happen overnight, but you can just see the wave that it's kind of moving towards that way. Um, and I, I hate it. But unfortunately, I, I do think there will be a couple more names that do leave the state. Well, it's unfortunate. Uh, I got one more for you. We've got three freshmen coming in. You, uh, you know who they are. And I want to yep. ask you in particular about Podzimski from Wisconsin. Uh, player of the year up there, and yet can these? Could you see any of these three cracking the rotation that seems to be pretty well set here at Illinois? I just think with what they have coming back, uh, Lauren, and you know, I've talked to the staff a little bit here and there, and and uh, they are they are, I mean, off the record talking. You know what I mean? Not not for a story or anything. They are extremely high on their roster. Mm-hmm. They really are. Um, yeah. And I just think with the experience now with these guys coming back, that they have in the perimeter, in particular with with Cabello and Frazier and Demonte, and uh, you know, I I just. I think it's going to be a free for all of all the all the newcomers, and they are extremely high on the on the on the guard, the transfer from jeez um, uh, from Utah. Plummer, the name escapes Plummer. Yeah. So you know, with all that experience, I just think it's going to be really hard for a freshman to kind of. Now, with that being said, I think it's going to be a free for all in terms of there's going to be some some minutes here and there. Who's going to go out and win them? And I think that'll all be determined, obviously, when they get on campus, start practice, and. Uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of minutes for freshmen, um, but there will be some, and it's just going to be a matter of which one can rise up, step up. That's just such a huge, huge jump, guys. I mean, I, people don't realize the the jump it takes for a freshman, um, both mentally and physically, at, at the college level. And not everybody acclimates to it immediately. Some of them are really beaten down. Uh, they lose confidence. Uh, that's why – Everybody is preaching toughness, 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 and it's the hardest thing to evaluate, really, uh, when you're when you're talking about these prospects as high school kids. It's just how tough they are because you don't know how they're going to respond to, you know, not being the best player when they get to college, not playing time, not being in rotation, not, you know, doing all the things you need to do to pr- to produce at a high level. And sometimes it, it, it you know, it's it sink or swim immediately, and it takes some time for some of them to to acclimate to that, but. That being said, I would anticipate, and I don't know which one will be, uh, you know, some freshman obviously having some kind of impact. Let's take a quick call for Joe Hendrickson. Steve in Princeton, you're on with Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a couple questions, Joe. The NIL thing that's uh, becoming uh, in college athletics now, is that eligible for high school athletes? Can they use that? to help make some income instead of having an after-school job or a Saturday job or something like that? Yeah, that's the the, the first high school player um, out, uh, the number, you know, the top five kid out in California. Um, he, he's only a 2023 kid, so he's only a junior. Uh, did, did have some, I mean, he is making, yes. He, the answer to your question, long story short, yes. Uh, and the first one just signed a deal. Uh, so, yes, it is. It is changing the landscape of, of the sport, of uh, college sports. That's a whole other story. <laughs> well, hey, hang on, Joe. I mean, they, uh, high school players could always do this. Yeah, what? right. I mean, I'm just saying now it's, it is now <laughs> right. um, become front and center because I think mm-hmm. people now are, are okay, well, for, forget the high school or the college kid. Now let's, let's go down and, and, and make our connections and, and latch on to the next big thing. 
below there because now we know when they go to college, we can just can continue that, that and foster that relationship and continue it on. What else you got, Steve? Well, I'm just going to say a lot of these high school kids now, because I, I know of a situation where the mother was in bankruptcy court a week ago yesterday, and the kid's a junior in high school, and he says, man, if I can use my NIL, you know, I can help out the family. But I don't know if you're still eligible under IHSA bylaws to play and do that kind of stuff. Well, uh, kids can, could always work. Kids could always make a, a, a living, make money, uh, not a living, but it could make uh, side money. You could always work uh, at night in a store. You could uh, now you, you you could always endorse if anybody wanted you to. I mean, I don't think anybody ever had an idea of using a high school player to endorse anything, but you could do it. You could always do it. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, and that's another topic, you guys, that I've talked to a lot of college coaches and managing rosters and managing uh, relationships and egos. And, you know, all these kids are sitting in the locker room, you know, 13 scholarship guys, you know, and they're they're all fighting and battling for minutes, right? We're just yep. talking about who's going to play. And now you're sitting there and you've got, you know, your one kid, oh, man, he's making $300,000 in endorsements. Uh, then I all, and, and you know, this kid's making 10,000 and, you know, they're kids, uh, still, uh, so it's going to be interesting and I, just talking to college coaches about just kind of how to handle that. And, and it, it, it I don't know. I, 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 I think it's, it's, it's all going to be ugly. Um, but I'm a pessimist uh, by nature when it comes to college sports and how that stuff works. But I, yes, I'm glad the kids are, are getting the money. I just, with absolutely no, I mean, there's no cap on anything. There's no, there's no regulations really. Um, I, I, I just think it could really tear apart, in certain cases, a locker room, and and we'll we'll see how that transpires. Hey Joe, we'll let you get back to watching hoops. We appreciate your time as always. Good to talk to you. All right, I appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, yeah. Joe. That's Joe Hendrickson from Chicago does work for the Sun-Times and City Suburban Hoops Report as well. 1025, we'll take a time out. I'll be back with more. Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It is 1028, Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. By the way, if you're looking to improve your windows and doors in your home, I suggest a trip to the uh, Pella Window Store. They're located at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. It's always best to see those products in person. They've got a showroom there with all kinds of examples. You can discover the beauty of wood windows, uh, the ease of between the glass blinds, and durability of fiberglass entry doors. And Pella has been rated number one by Champaign homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. The Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works in each unique situation. And it's an easy process, really. You can uh, look at the products with them, talk about installation, financing, if that becomes an issue there. The showroom is located, as I mentioned, at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Give them a call, 356-6474. Check them out online at PellaOfChampaign.com. They're open Monday through Friday 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment, the Pello Window Store in Champaign. Proud sponsor of this particular program. One of the uh, great sponsors on the show. Many of several great sponsors we have. 
1030 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. A lot of talk these days about name, image, and likeness, NIL. We just talked to Joe Hendrickson in Chicago. That subject came up. And Cam Cox is with us in the studio, who's a young guy, uh, recently added to the uh, staff at the Division of Intercollegiate Athletics to deal with NIL. And uh, Cam, good to see you. Nice to meet you in person. Glad to be here, and thanks for having me. Uh, It's an honor. Tell me a little bit about your background and uh, how you got here to the U of I. So before joining Illinois, I was an attorney and practiced securities law um, at an international law firm in New York City, actually a couple of them. And I'm really excited just to combine my legal experience and passion for athletics to serve Illini Nation, our student athletes. Now, how did you hear about this position? Well, I think uh, it was an interesting kind of story. I'll tell you what happened is. I had the ability to connect with Director Whitman and some of the exec staff over the few months before. And I think as NIL was emerging and people felt there really needs to be someone who spearheads this and one person where this is only what they do, they kind of had me in mind, I had them in mind, and it was a match made in heaven. So you're the NIL coordinator. So I, I, Something like that, yeah. something like that. I'm, I'm the coordinator of the influence program. Okay. Um, and so I always get the question, people will say, well, what is that? What does that mean? And influences our comprehensive development program designed to prepare student athletes to kind of positively influence their brands and platforms in the NIL world. And I say positively with such emphasis because that is really our big mission is to prepare young people to monetize their brand, create that brand, and then make sure that they have the financial literacy tools um, to, to really be impactful. But you don't actually uh, talk to the businesses or the or, or do you? So, so yes and no, that'll be my answer. The way it works is what we do is educate. So on one hand, it's educating student athletes on how to create that brand and how to create something positive. And on the other hand, it's educating businesses on how they can interact with our student athletes and how they can get in contact with them. But what we can't do is play matchmaker. There's a really strict rule about us facilitating those transactions. But we're in this weird gray area, right? And no one knows what really needs to happen. And so it's all about telling people, hey, this is what can happen and and giving those ideas and kind of being that sounding board. But when the deal goes down, I go out of it. When the deal goes down, you're not a part of it. That's true. I I got to take a step back. Uh, Do you have notice of all those deals that do go down? Are you aware? So I I am. Part of our state law requires student athletes to disclose everything. And so when they disclose, I have the ability to go in and say, okay, this happened for this guy, this happened for this young lady, and this is kind of what's going on. So I have the ability to see it, but it's retroactively. Can you make public what you know? Not all of it. I mean, Um, if a player has has a deal, an endorsement, can you tell us today? It would depend, right? So... All of NIL, to me, it's about a respect for student-athlete autonomy. And so if I have enough of a connection, enough of an understanding with that player where I know that he or she wouldn't be worried about that or wouldn't care, I would be happy to make it public. But to the extent that I think that they would, I, I would want to talk to them first or I kind of would, would want to give them the, the ability to say, hey, Cam, let, let's keep well, that Trent, with Trent Fraser is, is one guy who's been out on Twitter and talking about been very deals. Are you, are you aware of what he's done? And, and is, has he been successful so far in – in, in working out some deals? Absolutely. Trent has done an excellent job um, with what is possible now. He just has gotten out there. He's made his brand. 
and I'm really proud of all the work he's doing. I know he's got some really good stuff coming out. I know he's got some good stuff in the works, and I think that. Can you tell us what kind of stuff? So I'll tell you one thing he's got is a really really cool T-shirt that says "That's Cash." I really like that a lot. It's uh, I think that's his most recent thing. That that um, was that stems from the technical foul uh-huh. that he got. Uh-huh. All right, State. tell me, tell me, repeat that. I, yeah, so so Trent has a shirt, uh-huh. and there's basically a cartoon version of Trent on the front. Okay, and there's um, a really cool graphic that says "That's Cash." And my understanding is that he got this technical foul before, and that was last year. And when he got the foul, there was some discrepancy, discussion as to what did he say, and what mm-hmm. he said was "That's Cash," right? And Referee didn't really hear it. He's like, what? You know, it gives him a technical foul. And so it kind of, we ran, it ran from there. Um, and, and kind of, I think that phrase in some ways became galvanizing for the team to go on and win the Big Ten Championship. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very cool. He said it right in front of the other bench. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I, 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 but <laughs> I didn't realize that was what he put on the shirt. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, I mean, it's that's pretty neat. That's great thinking. If he came up with that himself, I think oh, yeah. you give him a pat on the back for that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I, I give Trent a pat on the back all the time because my thought is, hey, this is somebody who sees the opportunity, who's really capitalizing, who's doing a great okay, job. Okay, now, he's, this is a T-shirt. Sure. Does he get a percentage of the sale of the T-shirt? I mean, what? My understanding is that he's going to get a certain part of the number of T-shirts that are sold. Yes. So it's um, it's good. I think that's the way that it kind of should be. Obviously, that's what I think because I'm the NIL guy. But it's a new frontier, and, and it's new for everybody. If you have any NIL questions that you might have been thinking about, we've got the phone line open, 217-356-9397. So is your door always open for uh, students to come in and uh, just bounce things off of you? It is open for students. It is open for coaches. It is open for businesses. I, um, I really feel strongly that during this time there are going to be questions, there are going to be ideas and what's going to set the Illini Nation apart is our passion and the fact that people are willing to reach out and want to see how they can do what their idea is, right? Just how they can make things happen. And I'm here to help that. What's your relationship with Open Doors? So I really don't have a relationship with Open Doors. We, the school works with Open Doors, and Open Doors is essentially a booking platform, a third-party platform. That is a another booking part of platform. It. Okay. Yes. Okay. So we. We use Open Doors, and Open Doors is where our student athletes are kind of all housed so that people can reach them. Um, and we like our relationship with Open Doors. We're happy about that relationship, but I don't talk to Open Doors all that much. I think it's something that is a good product, sits there, and then, and then we kind of let it work. Open Doors sent out a word. I don't know who, who said it, but at the meeting, that it was a Tuesday meeting at Urbana Country Club. Were you there, by the way? I was not at that meeting. Okay, well, anyway, I wasn't either. So, But... Uh, they mentioned that Io could have made based, uh, you know, if he maximized everything based on his stature, he could have made four hundred thousand dollars in maybe so in IL maybe income, so. which leads me to raise a question: How can, what types of things could Kofi get involved in this year to make that kind of money? Well, how do you get that much? I the mean, big fella could do just about anything. Um, someone with his platform, with his marketability, with his visibility. I mean, he could do speaking engagements. He could do autograph sessions. He could make his own versions of the That's Cash t-shirt. He could teach lessons. I mean, I don't think that there's a limit that can realistically be placed on it. Now, what the limit is, uh, right, is school and team activities, right? So at the end of the day, he has to actually 
go to class and go to the games and other things. And so there's going to be a question for every student athlete where it's how much do you really want to get engaged with this? I'll tell you, I was talking to our gymnasts the other day and they were like, well, you know, could, could this get overwhelming? I said, well, you know, if you overwhelm yourself, then it can definitely get overwhelming. And so I think I would give the big fellow that kind of same advice, right? Where don't let it become so much that it's too much. What if I want to give him $100,000 just because I like him? Well, that's pay for play, and, and we can't really do that. That's, um, that's pay for things. play. Okay. That's pay for play. And, and the spirit of amateurism, which we're really committed to here and across the country, is in prohibiting that. So but, if I say, would you sign a picture for 100000 Well, then you get into the fair market value question. <laughs> but I think, I think that there are, when you come up with, hey, he has $100,000 worth of value to offer this community. And if someone wants to reach out and put together a package of, of things that he can do that would be worth $100,000. I, I don't think that that would be too terribly difficult, but it would probably involve a series of interactions and, and other things. But I absolutely think that he's got $100,000 worth of value, if not more. We're talking NIL with Cam Cox. Put your headphones on there, if you will. We do have a phone call. 217-356-9397 is the number if you'd like to join us. Let's welcome Bob Steigman to the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, guys. I have a question for your uh, guest. If I understand correctly, uh, a fellow like Kofi, if he's going to be paid to make an endorsement for some local company and to stand there uh, and to say good things about it, or I'm happy to use this product, that he can't do that while wearing his Alana uniform or having other Alana logos or things on it. Yet at other schools, uh, Alabama, I think, and I've heard some others, the same kind of situation with one of their star athletes, he can do that. The athlete can appear with the school logo and the like. And is my understanding further correct that this is a self-imposed rule by the University of Illinois? Thanks a lot for your question, Bob. I, I appreciate that because there's been a lot of talk about that. So everything is informed by a patchwork of state law. The state law that exists here may be different from the one that exists at Alabama, at Carolina, at Mississippi, whatever. Um, the way ours works is that we kind of have the first right of refusal with respect to our marks. And when I say we, that's Illinois. So when it comes to the block I, when it comes to the shield, when it comes to the Illini name, we're going to want the ability, and we actually have the ability, to say, hey, ask us first. And so if a business wants to go out and say, hey, we really want the big guy, but we really want the marks. What that means is you're going to have to talk to first him, but then also us. And we're, we're not going to be unreasonable, and, and we haven't had um, a posturing of being unreasonable when it comes to giving that permission. But th we do want the ability to either say yes or no, and that's all that that's about. So I think that there's not a strong, strong prohibition, but we definitely have the first right to say, hey, no, we, we don't want our brand to be associated with that. Do you see any problem with the typical use of NIL where the university would find this uh, something they didn't want? Yeah, well, they we, didn't we want to approve? Yes, we can imagine that. And so that's why we kind of want to say, hey, let us approve it before you do it instead of the other way around because the last thing we want is for our brand, and again, our, I mean, Illinois brand, to be associated with something that we find to be even a little bit distasteful or just for whatever reason not aligned with our mission at the university. Is that the same procedure they use in Alabama? I'm not sure. Again, I think that theirs is going to be informed by state law. 
um, first, and I'm not as familiar with their state law. I've looked at it a couple of times, but I, I don't know uh, enough to tell you for sure. Is the procedure described required by the new Illinois statute? It is. So th- the way that the way it works is, if you walk through the law, it'll say. Basically, every school has the right to use their marks as they want to, and then later on it says, you know, the student-athlete will not be able to use the marks of a school unless they are given permission by that school. And so every school has a process associated with whether permission is going to be granted or not, and we're working through developing ours, um, and and I think that it's very good. I think that it's important that, that every school has that kind of process. And I think that when that process is in place, you can actually make sure that there's there's one kind of standard. Well, thank you. That's a very helpful explanation. That's a really good answer. Yep. Good questions, Bob. Thanks. Appreciate the call. Need to take a break. We'll keep the uh, lines open. Bill in Edwardsville and Eric in Champaign stay with us. Cam Cox is with us. We'll take a quick break and be back with more. And we'll keep the phone lines open for a few more minutes here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Back after this. Ten forty-six. I'm my fellow. Saturday sports talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone lines open. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven is the phone number. Got some callers on hold. Cam Cox is with us. He's the NIL coordinator. That kind of a, simplifies the title a little bit. Uh, uh, let's go to Bill in Edwardsville, who's been hanging on during the break. Go ahead, Bill. Hi. Thanks for taking the call. If a student in the department on Scott uh, our money going on going on YouTube and sponsoring guitar strings or piano keys or talking about their program no one tries to limit their income they can sell at Carnegie Hall no one tries to limit their income if a political science student or a uh, student in divinity at BYU wants to give inspirational speeches no one tries to limit their income why are the athletes being treated differently? Thanks, Bill, for, for that question. When you say limit their income and that they're being treated differently, what specifically are, are you referring to? Our, our view is that there is no limit, that there isn't a cap on that, and we're really excited for student-athletes to be in the same place as their fellow students. Well, you mentioned that you, want, that you desire to see a limit. Um, Lawrence seemed earlier said that the money should be distributed, the money should be distributed amongst teammates. So you're breaking up just a little bit, but it sounds like the question is whether the money should be distributed in some capacity, and your thought is that, well, that's different than the rest of the student body. Am I hearing you right? Well, and you may mention that you desire to see some Okay, we'll let uh, yeah, Cam that, answer that. Well, you're, you're cutting out there, uh, Bill. We just kind of lost you there, but you kind of get the idea of what he's talking about. Yeah, I think um, I said it before, and I'll say it again. I'll, I'll say it 100 times before before you uh, don't hear my voice anymore, but I think this is all about a respect for student-athlete autonomy, and to the extent that the student-athletes want to join together as a collective and share NIL revenue, that's something that, I would encourage. That's something we've seen across the country. But there's no requirement that student-athletes do that, not in our state. There are states, one in particular down south, where that is a requirement, where there is kind of um, an explicit mention of pooling the revenue, but that's not the case here. Um, And, you know, I think that there is value in the collective. I think that 
particularly for some of our less visible sports, there's value in the collective. And I would encourage them to collectively say, what can we do as a group and, and what kind of deals can we find as a whole team? Um, but no, there's absolutely, you know, we used Kofi as an example earlier, Trent. No, th- that money goes to Kofi, that money goes to Trent, and, and there's no requirement that they split that. Let's go back to the phones. Eric in Champaign, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. You know, when all this stuff started popping up, I don't know that I've heard anybody mention this, but it reminded me of one thing that Sugar Ray Leonard said, the boxer. His, his biggest opponent wasn't anybody in the ring. It was the IRS. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, all the money these guys get is going to have to be claimed for. And, you know, again, you, yeah. do, you do things wrong, you end up owing by the end of the year when you collect $30,000 to spend it on a car or whatever. So I'm just wondering how that's uh, being handled or looked into. All of that is education. And we actually have some of the top tax people in the country coming to educate our guys and gals later this fall. But that's something that, that keeps me up at night because I'll tell you what makes it even more complicated, honestly, and I appreciate you bringing it up, is that – a lot of them had jobs in high school, and I have you know, screamed from the mountaintop, but, but still I get questions. I'm like, this is different than your high school job because they were withholding the taxes progressively there. Here, right. at the end of the year, Uncle Sam is going to ask you for a big old cut of your money, so you really have to save it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we've seen, maybe I, I should give myself a little credit, because over the last few weeks we have seen a shift in our student-athletes to being more concerned about that issue and having that issue on their radar, and that's good. Um, when they've got that issue on their radar, we can make sure that it's handled appropriately. Legally, they don't have to pay for their scholarship, but legally they do have to pay for room and board. I mean, room and board becomes a part of the of a taxable income. Well, I, I don't think any of their if, education if benefit becomes a part of a part of that they're getting from their athletic scholarship. I don't think any of that is in jeopardy or changed okay. by NIL, but – all of the money that they're getting is, is absolutely taxable. And if they live off campus and they do, you know, have an apartment and somehow they're able to get that apartment through NIL compensation or do it, then yeah, then that absolutely will become taxable. Anything else, Eric? No, that's all. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, appreciate the call. Let's uh, take another call here. Mark calling from Jacksonville, Florida. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, good morning. Um, I have a couple questions on this. Uh, you talked about fair market value well in every other walk of life fair market value is just what someone's willing to pay you yeah and piggybacking onto that talked about um uh, i lost my other thought answer that first now i'll ask you a second question yeah yeah so thank you for for calling in i appreciate it and i appreciate that point because i think it's absolutely true i think fair market value is exactly right what you said it's about what is someone going to pay you? That That's how the market works. And in this gray area, we're actually still in the process of establishing that market. But the example that was used about, oh, if I want to give somebody you know, 200000 300000 a million dollars for an autograph, I think that's just going to raise my eyebrows, the eyebrows of some people at the NCAA, and frankly, the eyebrows of a state law, right? And so we want to make sure that everything we're doing is above board. But at the same time, you know, can I say that it's not worth $5,000 or $50,000, right? Because I think what's really interesting is the way that fair market value can shift for the same item, and that gets to the complexity of it, right? So we think about the year that Joe Burrow had a couple of years ago. If he signs a football for you when he's, you know, fourth string or whatever at Ohio State, it's worth one thing. When he comes and starts at LSU, it's worth another thing. And then when he goes and wins the Heisman Trophy, it's worth a third thing, right? 
the truth is he's the same guy signing the same football the whole time. But it changes, and so we're not going to be overly paternalistic about what is fair market value, but there are some things where I know that our guys could run into trouble if it gets to be too excessive. My, my other point is you talked about uh, you don't want it to be seen as pay for play, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you every recruit in every sport is seeing what these kids get as pay for play for him the next year. Well, that may be their their personal perspective, but there has to be an exchange. There has to be something that happens as a result of them getting money, and it needs to be some sort of sanctioned NIL activity. And we we don't have a problem. If they see it as pay-for-play, to me, I'm hearing that they're seeing it as opportunity. And if they can get that opportunity and the Illini Nation wants to get behind them and help galvanize that, I'm going to be all here for it. Let's take one more call for Cam Cox. Brian in St. Joe. Go ahead, Brian. Hello, I got two quick questions, and I'll hang up and listen. The first question is, earlier you mentioned about the uh, name and likeness. The the athlete has to get uh, approval or or permission from the school to use the school's name. Mm -hmm. Is that that right, or or is that also the same way? Does a school have to get uh, permission from the student? Because apparently they own their own name and likeness now. My second question is, I think U of I is a Nike school, mm-hmm. or, or it used to be anyway. It is. So what happens when, when uh, Converse calls Kofi? Yeah. I'll hang up and listen. So, Good. Thanks. Good questions. So I'll walk you through. Um, I'll walk you through both of them, but let's let's start with with the second one. So the student athletes are restricted from endorsing just general nil activity during team activities and class activities and so i say that to think to encourage you to think about it this way if converse calls up kofi then it becomes a question of when is converse going to be able to see some benefit from that contract and it's not going to be during the games it's not going to be during the practices it's not going to be on the way to the games and it's not going to be when he's in class right and so while it is allowed for another company to enter into a deal with one of our student athletes, there starts to become a question of what is the value going to be and when can that actually happen. So I'll say there's a guy on Kentucky who, Kentucky is a Nike school as well, who entered into a deal with Reebok the other day. Um, and he's absolutely free to do that and, and can make compensation. And that's and he can thing. endorse so he can verbalize. Correct. But I, I don't know when I'm going to see him in Reeboks. <laughs> that becomes the question, right? Because that that's kind of Nike's goal is the, the times that I would see him, he will be wearing Nike, but it's absolutely possible. Um, and to your first question, I think on the marks, it is, I, I'm going to make sure I remember it correctly, but it is still about the way that, a student athlete has already given his or her consent for name, image, and likeness to the university. So there's a policy, and there are some things that are signed when a student athlete goes through, instead of NIL, the NLI process, so the National Letter of Intent. There are some things that happen after that, kind of on the onboarding, where the school has the right to use the student athlete's name, image, or likeness anyway. So consider the One Shining Moment commercial, or I'm sorry, One Shining Moment um, montage that happens after a team wins the championship or um, the pictures of student athletes on tickets and that type of stuff that is all possible because they have already signed that with the university 
And if they didn't do that, they wouldn't be able to be a part of those things. It's one of those kind of legal logistical things that already happened. So the university already has the right to use the student athlete's name, image, and likeness, and, and it's in that capacity that it gets used. Does that make some sense? I hope so. It did. Sure. It did. We've only got a couple of minutes left. But what about the, the use of, and this may go back to the using the logo or the shield or whatever, uh, orange and blue colors? That's totally fine. That's mm-hmm. totally fine and totally encouraged. You know, That's not so close to the University of Illinois that we would ever prohibit. You can't put a like trademark that. on a color, right? Can you? <laughs> right, right. It's it's a nice orange, and I think of it as <laughs> Illinois orange, but I don't know that everybody does, so so we can't trademark. Now, where did you go to school? So I went to uh, I went to school a couple places, but I first went to school at Auburn, um, and then I went to law school at Vanderbilt. I see. And uh, was getting into this kind. I mean, this, with this being new, I don't know that that would have been a childhood <laughs> goal of yours to to get into NIL because we didn't know what it was at that point, but. Uh, uh, in athletic administration, was that something you had your eye on? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I had talked to a number of administrators across the country about the emerging space and, and why now, and, and to have the ability to do this work. It, it, you know, I, my wife will tell you it excites me every day. I'm really excited about this space, what we're doing here, and I really think there's tremendous potential and momentum around here, and I'm excited to be in Champaign. Got about a minute left. Any? parting words anything else that maybe we didn't touch on that you'd like to get out there nothing in particular i just would encourage people to um reach out to administrators and and folks who know i think that this is a really emerging and exciting space but sometimes there's a lot of misinformation out there and i think people should should really try to educate themselves and to the question to the extent you have questions please feel free to reach out to me it's just kcox at illinois.edu we'll have you on again We'll, we'll budget a little more time because this is going to get more interesting as we go along. Absolutely, it? absolutely. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. That's Cam Cox with the University of Illinois. That's going to take care of the show this morning. We appreciate all of our guests. In addition to Cam, Joe Hendrickson, who was with us to talk uh, Illinois basketball, high school recruiting, Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com, and Sean Callahan from Husker Online. As we start talking football, you're ready for football, I can tell, I'm Mr. T. I'm ready for Tate. football, but I tell you what, we learned a lot about NIL this morning. We did, and the basketball just around the corner as well. Appreciate you listening on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.